Tonight we're kicking off a new series called Joshua, and we're kicking this off in Exodus chapter number 17. I'm excited about this series that we're going into. Um, we're going to do a nine-week series on, on the book of Joshua, and I'm going to preach three messages. Jeff's going to preach three messages of it, and Derek Dillon's going to preach the other three messages of it. It's going to be a fun time as we go through Joshua. And the amazing thing about these Old Testament characters is we learn about these guys all the time when we were a kid. How many of y'all learned about Joshua in children's church or Sunday school growing up? Hold your hand up real high. And everybody thinks we know all about Joshua, but I found out that there's a lot of stuff we don't know about Joshua. And so I want us, as we go through some of these characters in the Bible that we study, kind of like the Lazarus story that we just got through with, the Joshua series that we're going into now, whether it was the Elijah series that we just completed a, a, a few months back, man, God's going to show you some awesome things as we go through these series, and, and it's going to be um, the exact same tonight. So Joshua is where we're kicking off tonight. We're going to kick this off in the book of Exodus, not the book of Joshua, the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verse number 8. When you're there and you found it, say, I'm there. All right, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, and it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill um, with the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. And while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill... Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held, his hands, held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword." And the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in, the book, in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it the name and called the name of it. The Lord is my banner saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Father, in the name of Jesus, teach us from your word about Joshua. To, not teach us from your word about you through the through the man Joshua that's in your word tonight. Lord, we ask that you reveal your spirit that was in Joshua to us, and I pray that we become a Joshua generation that does your will and accomplishes your work. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. And so tonight, the title of this evening's message is called Dirty Work. Dirty Work is the title of this evening's message, and I believe that today there, God is raising up something of what I like to call a Joshua generation. A Joshua generation. What is a Joshua generation? A generation that is speaking, uh, a generation that God is speaking to. Amen? I believe now more than ever people are needing to hear the voice of God, but I believe more than ever God is speaking at an unprecedented level to not just his church corporate, but to individuals at a high level of understanding to accomplish great and mighty things for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're with me, say, I'm there. And so we believe, I'm believing that we are a Joshua generation, a generation that God is speaking to. We are also a generation that hears the voice of God at an unprecedented level. Amen? That we hear the voice of God at a higher level than any time in human history recorded. Because I know that God is always constantly speaking, but I believe that there, we are in a season where for those who are desiring a movement of God, not just a miracle of God, but a true movement of God, he is elevating their ability to not just hear his voice, but listen to what he says and empower them to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. Come on now, that's good stuff. And so I believe those two things are happening, that God is speaking to us and he's given us a greater ability to hear his voice 
twice than ever before in, in a deceived time in, in, in history that's unprecedented. And a generation that also does this. We accept the call of God no matter what the cost. Come on now. That we are raising up a generation, that there's a generation birthed in the earth right now that is tired of the way things have always been. Come on now. That we're tired of the way things have gone throughout history, that we're tired of the church always playing second fiddle to everything else. And there's a Joshua generation rising up that accepts the call and the mantle of God to lead a lost people into the promised land of God. And into the promises of God. And a generation that leads the church of today into all the promises of God that he has for us. I believe that's what a Joshua generation is. I believe that's what God is calling us to do. He doesn't have a specific land plot out there that he's drawing us to. He's drawing us into his kingdom. The kingdom of his dear son. That's what we've been studying all year through the home series, the abide series, the quest series, and now the identity series on Sunday mornings. God is leading us into the promised land, which isn't a physical place. It's his kingdom, which is a physical place. Come on now. And so he's leading us there, but he's also raising up a generation of people, a Joshua generation, that aren't willing to go there by themselves, but we're willing to take the multitudes with us. We're willing to step into it for the benefit of others as well. So as we go through this series, I pray God births a Joshua spirit on the inside of you. One that says, I know God's speaking to me. I want to hear his voice at a high level. I'm going to accept his call. And in doing that, I'm going to lead thousands, if not millions, into the promises of God and watch God set captives free because of who he's calling me to be. That's what we're setting up this series for. And what God did with Joshua in the Old Testament physically in the land of Israel going into the promised land, he is going to do not just, not, not, he's not going to do it just spiritually with us, but he'll do it physically with us as well. Okay, a lot of people say, well, whatever God did physically in the Old Testament, he set it up to do spiritually in the New Testament. No, whatever God did physically in the Old Testament, he's doing spiritually in the New Testament, physically in the New Testament, and manifesting himself fully in the New Testament because he's given us his spirit without limits. We've got to quit limiting God to being just a spiritual being. Okay? He is a God who wants to affect physical lives in a spiritual way, but in a physical way as well. He is a God of transformation, and he's going to do something mighty in this time. Now, as we get into this lesson tonight, this is the first time Joshua is called by name in the Bible. Okay? Now, this is the first time uh, when, when you're reading, reading through the Bible as it's written currently, not chronologically, but as you're reading through it now, it's the first time Joshua is mentioned by name in the Bible. And I like to do this, pay big attention to the theology of first in the Bible. This is Joel terminology here, okay? The theology of first is this. It's the first time something is, is mentioned in the Bible. Pay close attention to it. Many times it gives great insight to what God's long-term vision is for that person or that entity or whatever it is that he mentions for the first time okay so the first time God talks about man God created man what in his own image that sets up long term for what God desired to see man do on this earth okay man chose to disobey God fall away and, and the fall of man happened so God said I still have not changed who I am and what I plan to do I created him in my image he fell away from my image so I'm sending my son who is my image come on now and now he's redeeming them back so they can become my image again Okay, I love that the plans of God cannot be thwarted. It's an amazing thing. Also in the church, he said this, and he said to them, 
But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell, this, tell you this, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the first time church is mentioned in the scripture, in the gospel of Matthew. And so he said, the first time church is mentioned is right here. And he said, I call you are the church. And the first thing he said about the church is the gates of hell will not prevail against it come on now so whenever you hear somebody say i'm going to church you ought to jump up and down and revival start because you know they're going to a place that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it come on and if we put emphasis back on what god said about church not what we think of church his theology will come to pass about the church come on and so the first time he mentioned church the first thing he said about is the gates of hell will not prevail against this entity And we know he goes on to say the church is the bride of Christ, and that's me and you. So the gates of hell, I don't care what you're going through, cannot prevail against you. You just can't give up on the call. You can't give up on his voice. You can't give up on being obedient to him because he said the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Come on, that ought to get you excited this morning, this evening, whatever time of day it is. It's still morning for me. Listen, I got up at 5 o'clock yesterday morning, went to bed at 12.30 last night, got back up at 5.30 this morning. It's just been a... Crazy, crazy day. So it's all one day for me, okay? It hadn't quit. So Joshua, the first time he mentions him is in Exodus right here. And it's Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 9. And it says, so Moses said to Joshua, Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And I want to stop right there for a moment. Um, Steve, can you, can I use you for a second? Can you come here? Can I borrow you for just a second? Come here. Um, give me one more person. Code man, come on up here. I want to use you for just a second. Can you be Moses just for a minute? You look good, Moses. Man, man, man you look 35 years young. I'm telling you. You're looking great. So here's what happened. God, God is working through Moses. Moses is God's uh, leader right now in, in the land of Israel. And so Moses gets a word from God, and he says, this is what I need. Joshua, I need you to go fight, and Aaron and her, I need you two guys to come up with me on this hill and do business with me. So Moses come right here in the middle, and it says, after a time, it says, Moses got tired of standing. So I'm going to give you a seat. How about that? It's not quite a rock, but it'll work. He got tired of standing, and his hands were held up to the Lord. His arms got weary, and so Aaron and her held his hands up until it was evening time. Now, just stay there the rest of the service, okay? We're, we got to, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so as he's there, Moses is there, he says, Joshua, I need you to go down, and I need you to fight the battle. Now, I want to say this very clearly. Obedience now gets you to your destiny tomorrow. Obedience now gets you to your destiny tomorrow. And somebody needs to highlight that tonight because you're questioning what God is having you do. Obedience now gets you to your destiny tomorrow. But this is what happens many times in the church. Why do Aaron and her get to go to the top of the hill with Moses? And I got to go down here and fight. That's just not fair. They get to go do the spiritual stuff. I got to go down here and do the dirty work. Come on now. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I know that's good because I've seen it before. Well, Pastor, I would love to help. Hey, can you help here? Well, no, I really just don't like dealing with that. Well, I don't either. But, but I still scrub toilets too. 
right? See, so many times in the body of Christ, we miss our destiny of tomorrow because we weren't obedient today. And Moses gave a specific command. He said, Joshua, you go choose for us men, and you go do fighting, and me and my boys are going to go to the top of the hill, and, oh, we're going to pray. <laughs> we're going to be spiritual. <laughs> Who was doing the real battle, Joshua or Moses, Aaron, and her? Many people say, don't, don't answer just yet. Well, they were, they were interceding on behalf of Joshua. And it was, somebody was down there killing folks. When I used to work in the grocery business, I remember this clear as day when I first got promoted to night manager. My store director came in and said, Joel, what's the most important part of your job? Is it when you get here, first um, unloading the truck and spotting it all over the floor to where it goes? Is it stocking the shelves or is it facing it and making the stores clean, make sure the store is clean and open for business? And, and what's the most important part of your night? And I sat there for a second and it, was, it had to be God. And I said, it's all just as important. He said, you're exactly right. The minute you put greater emphasis on one part than the other part, you're going to get out of balance. And something ain't going to happen. I understand put great emphasis on your prayer life. But you can pray all day, but if you don't respond when God says go, why are you praying? Obedience now gets you to your destiny tomorrow. Some days God says go to the hill and pray. Jesus went to the hill and prayed several times. But when he went to the hill and prayed, he walked back down and walked on water. <laughs> Come on, he did a physical act after he spent time in prayer. People always look at it and say, well, Joshua went down there had to go, go do the dirty work. Is it dirty work or is it God's work? Just because we in the Western culture messed up church, come on, have placed greater emphasis on what's spiritually and what's higher ranking spiritually than other things, doesn't mean it's always Right? So in this, we've got to begin to understand this. Obedience now gets you to your destiny tomorrow. Aaron, her, and Moses got to go on top of the hill. Joshua had to go down and do the dirty work. But listen, God puts you in places to train you for your destiny. Come on. Joshua needed to go fight the battles. Because as you're going to see in Joshua's lifetime, he was going to fight numerous battles. He said, Joshua, i got to train you as a warrior. I'm also training up other people as priests for you. Because Joshua, some of these battles, the priests are going to go first. Other battles, you're going to go first. But i got to have you all trained. And it would have done no good for Aaron and her to go down here to the bottom of the hill and get killed while Joshua needed to learn battle skills up here praying. Do we understand? Now, I'm not negating the power of prayer in your life. You've got to learn how to pray. Because if you don't pray, you're not going to hear the voice of God and know to go into battle. Okay, but you've got to begin to understand wherever you're at right now in your life. God, okay, you can put his arms down. My bad. <laughs> man, the, the sun ain't even gone down yet. Come on, man. <laughs> Give them a hand clap tonight. You've got to begin to understand God is training you today for what he's trying to get you to be successful or victorious at tomorrow. A lot of people ask me this, Joel, what is the most valuable thing you could ever tell somebody uh, about going into the ministry? Go work in the retail business for three years. Deal with customers. <laughs> and then when you get to the church, you're going to have a whole nother level, I'm just saying. Deal with customers nonstop who walk in with the entitlement that we are always right even when we're wrong. <laughs> right? Ain't much difference in the church. <laughs> 
What's the most valuable thing to do? And I always question God. God, why do you have me in the grocery business? This is the most ridiculous thing ever. You call me to preach. You call me to pastor. Send me to seminary. Send me to Bible school. Send me somewhere to get the training I need to pastor church. Little did I know that was the best training I ever could have gotten to pastor a church was working in the retail business where everything mattered and it wasn't about you. It was about the people you were serving. From the way they walked in to the way their store looked when they opened the door to the checkout uh, experience they had when they walked out the door to the way you loaded their groceries in their car and don't put the eggs on the bottom, whatever you do. Come on now. Blue hair old ladies will kill you for that stuff. I'm telling you, man. It's happened. It has happened. Not me. I'm still here. I'm still alive. So in this... You've got to begin to understand, God is training you today for your place of destiny tomorrow. If you're wondering why you're stuck in the place where you're at today, maybe you haven't realized this training ground. In the middle, you realize this training ground, you begin to work like his training ground, and he's going to put you in your destiny. But you've got to realize this training ground. And listen, training is never fun. Unless you, know why, uh, uh, unless you know why you're training. I missed it, whatever we said. Uh, unless you know why you're training. This is why Paul said, I keep my eyes fixed on the prize, not the training. And training is never fun unless you know what you're training for. Unless you know what you're going after. Unless you know the call of God on your life. Because when you find out the call of God on your life, you got to believe that he's doing whatever he's doing right now in your life to get you to the fullness of your destiny tomorrow. And whatever he's training you in now, believe me, when you get in ministry of some kind, shape, way, or form, whether it's part-time, full-time, leading a volunteer group, being a volunteer, whatever you learned here in training, I believe me, it's going to apply here in ministry. It will. And you've got to begin to trust God that what he's doing in my life today is setting me up for my destiny tomorrow, even though I can't see it. In today's world, if this were to happen, Moses, Aaron, and her go up on the hill. Hold your arms up, Steve. I'm just kidding. Go up on the hill. Joshua, go down in battle. There would be nothing short of a flat-out rebellion of saying, well, he just doesn't love me. He's trying to get me killed. Really? I mean, this is the American culture today, by the way, if you haven't realized. I don't like it. it he just must be against me. Maybe it ain't him being against Maybe he is against you, but you've got to realize God's for you, baby. And even if man is against you, God's going to use what man uses against you, and God's going to promote you through it. And sometimes we just got to suck it up. Come on. Ooh, people ain't happy with me in this place. Please hold your arms up again, brother. I need some prayers. We're going on. For real, in the church today, if we were placed in this scenario, and many of you are in this scenario, Amalek represents one of the most spiritually devastating forces that came against Israel. I didn't have time to do do research for you on Amalek, but you research that. This was a, a, a nation coming against to destroy the nation of Israel. And if you think that God is trying to get you killed by putting you on the front line, maybe you've got to realize God's training me to be the point man for the next greatest victory that he's trying to accomplish. Maybe he's not trying to kill you. Maybe he's trying to promote you. But obedience now gets you to your destiny tomorrow. God puts you in a place to train you for your destiny. 
Obedience will do more to get you out alive. Obedience will do more than get you out alive. It will make you God's man or woman of victory. And I want to prove this to you. Ooh, got to go. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of who? Not Aaron and her. Write it in the ears of who? Write it in the ear and recite it in the ears of Joshua. He didn't say, write a book, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Aaron and her. Recite it in the ears of Joshua. That I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. His obedience became his destiny. New instruction. This time, God told Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. God said Joshua was obedient in the now. I brought him into his destiny. He accomplished his destiny for the moment, but that ain't his full destiny for his life. So Moses, now I'm speaking to you on how to train Joshua, not just to be a warrior, but to lead a nation. (laughs) See, sometimes the current battle you're in isn't to kill you, it's to get you to your destiny, because then God can speak to somebody else and watch you begin to be brought into the new realm that he just brought you through to get you into the place of victory. See, amen, come on, give God a hand clap of praise. See, I I never look at a battle as God's way of, oh, Joel's going to end up in defeat. (laughs) I never look at it like that. I I never look at a hardship that I'm going through in my life personally, in the ministry, in in, in a leadership setting, in in, in a kingdom building uh, experience that we're doing. I never look at a battle as my time of defeat. I look at a battle as my footstep into a victorious place, which is going to get me a step closer into my destiny. And if you would quit looking at every battle as a crybaby scenario where you're going to weep and bawl about how bad it is and rise up with a Joshua-type spirit of faith and say, this battle is not my end. It is my stepping stone into my destiny. Bring it on. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? There's a reason I'm still here. It's because I don't quit when every battle happens. I learn how to fight better. God's not bringing a battle to you. But when the battle comes, he's seeing if you'll step up into your destiny. See, a lot of you sit here and listen to message after message, uh, week after week on Wednesdays and Sundays. And then when the battle comes, you don't apply the message. You come to us for prayer, which is good. Come to us for prayer. There's got to be a day when you say, I'm going to figure out how to pray this thing out on my own. I'm going to figure out how to hear God on my own. I love pastor, but pastor can't hear God for me. He can hear God with me, but he can't hear God for me. I'm not your, I'm not your personal fortune teller. I'm not. I can hear God with you. I can say, I believe that. I believe you're right on when you heard the Lord. And I can hear God with you, but I'm not hearing God for you. There comes a day when you come to this point where you, place where you say, I'm going to be part of the Joshua generation. I know God's speaking to me, and I'm fixing to find out how to hear his voice. And when I hear his voice, I'm going to accept his call. And when I accept his call, I'm not just going to bring myself into the promises of God. I'm fixing to bring a generation along with me. I'm going to hear his voice. 
This is vital for the church of this day. Because listen, there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of junk out there. And if deception has ever been at its highest peak, I believe it is now in the history of the world. If deception has ever been higher, I don't know when it was. I believe it is at its, almost its pinnacle. But I do believe it's still going to get, the deception's going to get higher before it gets better. Okay? We got to hear the voice of God. We got to know right from wrong. We got to understand what the Bible says and how God's speaking to me in the battle that I'm in. God puts us in a place that, okay, next one down says, it goes on to say, the Lord is my banner. Now, now this part got me when I started studying for this message. The Lord is my banner. Then verse 16 says, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. Now, I really don't know how to illustrate this. But the best way I know how to do it is this. The Lord is my banner. The banners in the, in the, in the, the medieval times, the Old Testament times, on, the banners meant everything. It represented everything about you and who you were. It's just like the American flag represents everything about us and who we are. Good, bad, ugly, otherwise. Right? When you see the American flag, what do you think of? Land of the free, home of the brave. You think about that's our banner. Okay? But it doesn't just say... The Lord became his banner. It said, the Lord is your banner. He now represents everything you are. Whew, come on, that's good enough. And your hand is touching his throne. How can you lose your battle when your hand is touching the throne of almighty God himself? He said, recite this in the ears of Joshua. The Lord is my banner, a hand upon the throne of God you got to realize this. When you leave here today, you're not just walking out, but God's walking out before you. I'm fixing to get into this. God is representing you, and your hand is touching his throne of power. (laughs) See, the church don't get it. (laughs) That should cause us to go crazy. Because when you're touching the throne of the king, you're touching his authority. When you're touching his authority, you have his authority. When you have his authority, and you're in his kingdom... Everything works under that authority. It's just like when Joseph in the book of Genesis, he became second only to Pharaoh himself. He was God to the nation of Egypt. Because whatever he did, Pharaoh listened to. (laughs) A hand upon the throne of the Lord. And as I begin to imagine this, as Joshua began to hear what Moses was saying to him, Joshua began to build courage about his life and about his destiny because Moses kept saying, the Lord is your banner and your hand is touching his throne. The Lord is your banner and your hand is touching his throne. And as Joshua would hear that every single day, Joshua, the Lord is your banner. He represents you and your hand is touching his throne. That means direct authority and power come from him through you to this nation. Direct authority and power come from him through you to this nation. There's nothing that should stop the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That wasn't just an example. It was to be told that the church has a hand upon the throne of God and walks in what God has for us. That being the case, the Lord is your banner, a hand upon his throne. He is the God who goes before you. 
A lot of people say, we're leading the charge. If you're leading the charge, I'm not following you so close. <laughs> I'm just, just saying, I love you. I love you all the way, and I'll pray for you to get raised from the dead, too. Come on now. But if you're leading the charge, I don't want to be a part of it. But when he's leading the charge, and he's representing you, he is the God who goes before you. And I refrain from using all scriptures from the book of Joshua, because I could have on this, because I don't want to ruin the rest of the series, because they got some awesome messages planned for this series. So I went throughout the, a lot of the scriptures and began to pick out verses in the Bible that explain this part here. As the Lord is my banner, my hand is on the throne of God, this means he is the God who goes before us. In Deuteronomy 3.22, it says, do not be afraid of them, the Lord your God himself We'll fight for you. Come on now. Woo. You wonder why I'm not afraid of a battle. I'm not having to do all the fighting. There's things I got to do. Don't get me wrong. But God's winning this battle. He is the God who goes before me. And he himself is fighting for me. But I still got to walk by faith. Knowing that he's going before me. When there's a valley in front of me. When there's something here that's wrong. I still got to walk by faith. And when God is going before me and I walk up to something that's in front of me, I just get to step right on over the valley. You just don't quit walking. You just don't stop. He is the God who goes before you. You're not treading a new path. You're only walking in the footsteps of him that you're following. Have you ever been in a deep snowstorm? And you've seen, uh, when we were in Michigan, I'll never forget this, it was snow and it'd be deep. I mean, I didn't mean... You were in Texas. Y'all ever been in a deep snowstorm? Hey, it's coming. It's, hey, it's came a foot before. That's deep enough for me. But I remember even a few years ago in February, uh, I guess it was seven years, six, five years ago in February, we had about 14 inches of snow. And Caleb was one and a half. And he wanted to go out in the snow. So we had this big old one-piece fluffy, can't put his arms down. I mean, Christmas story made over. And I walk out there, and I'm walking through the snow. And he's a little bit different. And he's trying to walk in my footsteps. Sometimes God's footsteps are bigger than yours. But if you keep walking in his steps, you're going to grow in to who he's called you to be. Man, you, you just got to keep walking. It says, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, not just the Lord, the God, or a God. It says the Lord, your God, my God. He ain't your God. He's my God. And that's how I view it. When I read the Bible, he's my God. And I'll be selfish about it. I don't care. There's enough of him to go around. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord, your God himself, will fight for you. I like this, Second Chronicles 20, 21. Early in the morning, they left the desert. And they set out, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God. There it is again. And you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Joshua appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. See, here's the exact opposite scenario. Moses went up on the hill with Aaron and her to pray. They got to do the praying in a safe place up on the hill. Joshua had to go down and fight the battle. Here the things are flip-flopped. He said, I want my prayers to go out first and the army to follow because I'm the Lord your God. I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to handle business. And the worshipers went out, give thanks to the Lord 
for his love endures forever. See, some of you in the toughest part of your battle, you don't need to be rebuking the devil. You need to start giving thanks to the God, to God of heaven, that's your God, and say, his love for me endures forever. See, because a lot of times your battle is not contingent upon your faith. It's contingent upon, do you realize how much he absolutely loves you, and he split heaven and earth wide open for you, and if he did that for you then, what's he going to do for you now because he's not giving up on you? And it goes back to the Lazarus series. You cannot question the love of God. You've got to get that straight in your head and in your heart. He loves me. It says Jesus loved Mary, he loved Martha, and he loved Lazarus. The love of God is not in question. And so they began to declare to all the people who were freaking out because it says perfect love casts out fear. They began to declare, give thanks to the Lord because he loves us forever. That's what he began to declare. And when you begin to declare that the Lord loves me, your fear begins to dissipate. I'm just telling you, if you haven't done it, try it in the next battle that you're in. And I'm not praying for a battle to come upon you, okay, for you to experiment with it. But the next time you're struggling, you need to just start talking about how much God loves you and talk it out loud. God loves me. He gave his one and only son for me. He would not spare anything else to give to me. He said, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. He loves me so much. He not just gave me his son, but he sent his Holy Spirit to abide with me and in me forever to bring me to a place of overflow. He loved me so much. He said he did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save me from it. Thank you, Jesus. See, I'm just telling. Y'all think I'm crazy. This is what I do. I mean, that's how I live. I don't have a choice you got to begin to declare those things. All right, i got five minutes. We're going to run. Remember, be writing stuff down on your cards, okay? God's desire to go before you and lead you. God desires to go before you and lead you, and this is how you will stay under his authority and walk in power. See, a lot of us, we're always talking about this, stay under the authority of God and under God's umbrella. Yeah, that's good, but when God's moving, you got to move with him. You can't just sit there. The God who represents we're always told this, we are to represent God, and that's perfectly correct, Correct, but the power for us to represent him is letting him represent us, okay? This is a two-way street. you got to let God represent you as you're representing him. And the Bible says this in Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them by, by day in a pillar of a cloud and led them in, in the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. When they were going through the wilderness, and oh, man, I, I'm glad I get to preach the Jericho message, but it's a little bit out. It says when, the spy, when, when they were about to go into Jericho, the people were freaking out in the walls of Jericho. And Jeff's done some research on this. And the walls of Jericho were so thick, they would have chariot races on top of the walls that were fortified that city. This was the strongest city of its time. And as they would have chariot races around the walls of the city, the nation of Israel was marching around them walls. <laughs> and the people inside began to freak out. Why? Because they weren't scared of the people walking around down there. There was a God who was representing them. 
And they had heard the stories how the, how the Red Sea divided. The Bible says they heard the stories about how God supplied for them for the 40 years in the wilderness. They've heard the stories about how they walked through the Jordan River and it parted and they came across on the other side. They had heard the stories about the mighty works and acts and miracles that God has done. And I believe it should be no different in the church today. There should be a mighty works and acts of miracle that God is doing. So when we walk onto the scene of something, everybody begins to have the fear of God come upon them. Not the fear of me. The fear of God fall on that place. And there becomes a respect for the man or woman of God. And that's you in a desired situation or circumstance. I believe you've got to let God represent you. I don't try to go make a name for myself. I'm, believing I'm letting God represent me. And what God begins to do, God is going to fulfill and faithfully complete. I got to go. Here we go. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to skip some of these scriptures. Joshua 3, 6, and 7, it says, And Joshua spake to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass before the people. And they took up the, up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now listen, you got to remember, the Ark of the Covenant represented God himself. On top of the Ark of the Covenant, there was this the, a cover of it. And on the very top of that cover, there was what? Something called the what? The mercy seat. That's where God would come down and visit and rest. And I love how it's called the mercy seat, not the wrath seat. Come on, thank you, Jesus. It's a whole other story. He would come down on the mercy seat. And that was known as God's place of habitation. And so when those people saw the Ark of the Covenant going before them, they said, everybody stood to attention and look, God is going before us and we're going into this place. Come on now. Ooh, God, let him get this. Come on. Jump on down. The God who is visibly seen. Remember, it says, the Lord is my banner, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. So he is the God who goes before us, the God who represents us. And here's the part I want to see manifest in our church more than ever. The God who's visibly seen. Come on. I don't want you to hear stories. I want you to see him. I don't want you to hear about revivals in the 1800s in Azusa Street and, and what Martin Luther did and what all these greats of old did. I want you to get a story for yourself. I'm tired of people living off other people's stories. I don't want to live off other people's stories. I want to get a story. And he is the God who's visibly seen. Exodus 17, 15. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, or the Lord is my banner. In the second part of verse 16, it says, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. And when the altars were built, they were built visible and had meaning. They didn't build an altar for no reason. When Moses heard from God and said, recite this in the ears of Joshua, the first thing he went and did was built an altar. He said, I'm going to find a way to make this memorable in Joshua's ears. So he built him a complete altar. And he said, Joshua, your hand is on the throne of the Lord. And at that moment, he became the God who was visibly seen. If God is going to go before you, we can't keep trying to get him behind us where he's not visible. A lot of people, when you have the opportunity to step up to the plate and do something amazing because God has led you there, he's going before you, many times we try to put God behind us, but he's not visibly seen if he's behind you. Let him stay out in front of you. He wants to stay in front of you because what, you, and I'll get into this Sunday morning too, what you look at the most is what you become like. What you look at the most is what you become like. If you start looking at his glory, maybe you'll become glorious and not a pity party. 
Come on. If you look at his miracles, maybe you'll start becoming the miraculous for somebody. If you look at his power, maybe you'll start becoming powerful in your life again. If you look at his movement, maybe you'll start moving and doing something in his kingdom again. But many of us are looking at what God's not doing. We're looking at what Fox News says, what CNN says, what Facebook says, what Twitter says, what all the other junk says. When I serve a God who still goes before me, who still represents me, and I believe today now more than ever he wants to be a God who's visibly seen. But it's going to take a Joshua generation, a person who wants to hear God speak, a person who wants to hear the voice of God, a person who's going to answer the call, and a person who's going to lead people into the promises of God. That's what we're setting up this nine-week series for. Because by the time we get done, I believe you're going to see God. Visibly see God. And I'm looking forward to doing it with you. Some of you may be freaking out about that. Why? Why? Why would you worry about that? Because here's why. You've never experienced before, and what is unknown to you, we're afraid of. Well, it's time to get real familiar with the voice of God. So when he shows up visibly and he says, baby, it's just me, (laughs) you're put at peace and rest. And there's no doubt about who he is in your life.